Welcome to the weekend message from Mariner's Church in Huntington Beach, California. Whether you are listening across the street or across the globe, we hope you'll find encouragement for your daily life through this podcast. All right. I need you to help me for a second. All right. Okay. All right. Will you, will you do that? Yeah. All right. I appreciate right. that. Yeah. This is good. Um, I have just sort of this basic um, presupposition that some of you came in and you may have been carrying some things with you, just kind of things that you pick up during the week, you know, various things, stresses, hassles, things that are on your mind. It's why you're not listening to me right now, because you're thinking about that thing instead of listening right now. And that's really, really common. And so would you hold this? We want to just sort of illustrate how this thing works. This is just an empty backpack. I like where this is going. You you don't like it. If you don't like it now, you're really not going to like it in a minute. Okay. So we have things like, uh, for some of us, we bring in uh, maybe the stress of a marriage that isn't working exactly the way that we want to, and it's just sort of weighing us down a little bit. And it's not, you know, maybe it's not terrible, but it's not what it needs to be. Or maybe it is terrible, and you're like, I'm here alone. My spouse isn't even here, and that's kind of a problem. Uh, For some others of us, uh, it might be something that revolves around our kids and, um, You know, maybe you have teenage children, and for some people, that is a challenge. For some teenagers, that's a challenge. There are things. I, uh, When we, Julie and I, had teenagers, our boys, I lost all my hair. And so I'll just tell you that that was a brick for us, okay? We had that brick. Uh, I heard this great story that a guy, an evangelist, actually, was going door-to-door, and uh, he came up to this house, and it was clear that there was a family that lived here. There was toys strewn throughout the yard, and there was yelling coming from Inside the house, he could hear it as he was walking up, and sort of undaunted, he continued to move up and knocked on the door, rang the doorbell. Finally, after a while, this woman comes to the door, and her hair is a mess, and there's marks all over her blouse, you know, stains and things like that, and there's all kinds of yelling in the background, and he looks in, the house is a mess, and there's a, she has one child in one arm, and there's this you know, a little toddler hanging to her other leg, you know, crying and screaming and so forth. And he's just, he's on a mission, so he says, ma'am, today, can I tell you how to get eternal life? And she just stares at him, and then she sort of looks back at the house, and she looks at the infant in her arm, and she says, mister, frankly, I don't think I could endure it. And, uh, you know, that's how somebody, so, you know, just in the spirit of that joke, I'm going to put another brick in there. Okay, so some of us, it's kids. For some of us, Uh, It's just the stress of life. We are just way too busy. Uh, There's too many things that are demanded of our time. We're running here and there. Even to just get here today was sort of craziness. So, you know, there's that kind of a thing. Some of us are holding heavy bags for a Some of us, there's another stress issue right there. Uh, Even a little more seriously, there's some of us deal with depression. And depression usually doesn't make sense to us. And we don't feel like we should be depressed about anything, but we just kind of are. And for some of us, that becomes kind of a problem, and, uh, you know, there's, there's other things that we just sort of carry. Would it help you if we, like, put this on you? Here, let's uh, just put this on. I don't know if help that is will the right sort of. There you go. Here, put your arm up. There you go. Yeah, that is good. Yesterday I went, uh, we're, living, we're living in Woodbridge, and yesterday, we used to live in Woodbridge, Julie and I, 20 years ago, and I used to play basketball there, and I thought it would be so fun yesterday to go out and play basketball with the guys again. Went to the exact same court. Yes, there were three people that were still playing there from my days of playing. And so I get out there, and you know one thing that I realized? 
is 20 years has done something to my body. And so I go out there, my mind is saying, yes, yes, yes. And my body is saying, no, no, no. And I just want to tell you that as I was out there on that basketball court, I was totally humiliated. (laughs) And uh, in fact, the last humiliation was my shorts were way shorter than everybody else's shorts. (laughs) Just, I mean, if you know about that kind of stuff, I don't really, but all right, so... There you go. All right. So, anyway, Ryan, is there anything you want to add to this? I mean, any things that you're carrying in that might... No, no, just we could... Where, you want me to move <laughs> along here? Yeah. I'm, I'm, sort of, I'm sort of liking this, actually. Yeah. All right. There you go. Now, when people are heavy laden and burdened, and they're sort of out there, and what is some advice, or what is something that we often tell them they should do? We tell them, you should go to church. Church is the place where you take your burdens and your heaviness. And very often, their response is this. Why would I go to church? I already am caring enough. I already feel guilty about my life. And what do churches specialize in? Guilt and shame. We're so good at it. So you come in, you feel a little guilty. Oh, we can take care of that. We can make sure you feel really guilty. And you come in, and, you, and you're thinking, you know, I don't know anything, and there's sort of this idea that uh, you need to understand our doctrines, and you need to understand our position on things, and there's this whole idea of you need to accept all of this. Are you catching the drift? Uh, you're, yeah, yeah you're sort of catching it. I'm having flashbacks to football camp, actually. <laughs> football camp, yeah. hell week, and all that. It's a good thing. And so all of, you know, and so we tell people, well, you need to believe these things and you need to understand predestination and you need to understand the gifts of the spirit and speaking in tongues and you need to come down on a position with that. And if that's not enough, we need you to really decide right now, yet against, for or against homosexuality, what do you think about all these things? And you just, you come in and you're like, whoa, this is heavy. This is heavy. And then you come in, you're already busy and you already are stressed about your money. And you know what we tell you in the church? We need your time, and we need your money. And so we just sort of help that out. And so eventually, eventually people say, why would I come to church? Why would I do that? And before Ryan passes out, I think I'm going to give you a break and say, you can now leave. Let's have a hand for Ryan. Yeah. <laughs> we'll just leave there as a monument to you. You feel light now, huh? All right. Well, so Jesus comes into a setting, and he realizes that the people that he loves, the people that he ministers to, the people that he spends his life with are already carrying a heavy load. And then he looks at the religion of the day, and he realizes that the religion of the day is not making things better, not making things lighter, but actually making things worse, making things heavier. And so he, he makes a strong statement. And if you have your Bibles, we are in Matthew chapter 23. And we just want to, we've been asking the question through this series is why does Jesus hate religion? And I'll tell you, this is one of the reasons he hates religion. This right here is one of the reasons he hates it. And so he says this in Matthew chapter 23, verse 1. And through four, and let's read this together. It says, Then Jesus said to the crowds and to his disciples, The teachers of the law and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. 
So you must obey them and do everything they tell you. But they do not do, but do not do what they do, for they do not practice what they preach. They tie up heavy loads and put them on men's shoulders, but they themselves are not willing to lift a finger to move them. And so let me just unpack this real quick. What is Jesus talking about here? Because there's a few phrases we might not understand. He says that these teachers sit in Moses' seat. And what that means is back in that day, if a teacher was to teach, they wouldn't stand like I'm standing now. They'd actually sit down and everybody else would stand around them. And so the normal posture of a teacher was to sit. To say to sit on, in Moses' seat, Moses, of course, wrote the first five books of the Bible called the Pentateuch. Uh, it's Genesis and Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, and it's also known as the law. And so he is basically saying, Jesus is saying, these teachers sit down and they teach, and they teach from the books of Moses. They teach from the Pentateuch, from the first five books of the Bible. And basically what they do is they interpret it for us. They help us to understand it, help us to put it into practice, very similar to what we do here in church when somebody gets up to teach. So they sit in the seat of Moses, is what Jesus says. And as they sit there, uh, and this is kind of an interesting thing, so um, it's a little bit historical, but when teachers would teach, uh, it was called their yoke. And uh, the idea of having a yoke was it was a system or a way that teachers would teach so people could understand what the Bible was saying. And so every teacher would have their own yoke. Rabbis would have their yoke. And it came off of the idea of really sort of like a backpack. If you have all this weight, the easiest way to carry the weight is to put on a yoke, is to put something on so it distributes the weight so that you can manage the weight of things. And it was as if the teachers would have backpacks, and their backpacks would make it so that the, the, the burdens you were carrying would be much lighter. They would teach in a way where you would get it, and it would help you maneuver through life. So that was the idea of a yoke. And so Jesus is saying, okay, so these guys are sitting around and they have their yoke, but then here's the point. Instead of making it lighter, instead of making it more endurable for you, instead of it working for you and making you know, your life move forward, the yoke itself is like killing you. The yoke is much heavier than the burdens you have. So instead of making your life the way God wants it to be, it's making your life even worse. And this just infuriated Jesus. He said, this is so much not the point of why God has communicated to us. It is so much not the heart of God to just make our life worse and worse and worse and to weigh us down with burdens. But here was the problem, is that people in the day actually started to believe that this is how God felt about things. They actually started to think that God really doesn't love us at all. He's sort of putting us through the ringer, sort of the hell week, just to prove, <clears throat> excuse me, I just reached puberty there. It's a beautiful moment. Uh, just to prove that, uh, that we really loved God enough maybe to earn heaven. And Jesus looked at this whole system. He said, this is so broken. This is so wrong. This is so not the way it should be. And, and it was one of the reasons Jesus said, I just hate religion. I hate religion that makes people think this way about things. This is not God's plan. And so what Jesus did uh, is he identified an issue that the majority of people in Israel at the day were feeling. Most of the people felt that their lives were hard anyway, and they were, man. People living back in that day, 
you know, they, they lived sort of hand to mouth. It was just sustaining, barely making it. And religion would come along and they would throw much more on them. And furthermore, he finally says, and they don't even care. They won't even lift a finger. They don't even want to help you do it. It's almost as if they're trying to tire you out. They're trying to make it heavy on you. Uh, when I was, we've, we've had four children as they have grown up. Well, we still have four children, but they grew up. And three of them played soccer. And because of that, I became a soccer coach. I didn't know anything about soccer. But, you know, when they're young, you can still sort of fake it and pull it off. And so I would coach my sons and then eventually one of my daughters in soccer. And it's funny because when you're coaching, and and if you were to watch professional soccer players play, you realize they don't run really that much. There are times they run, but you look out on the field, they're standing around a lot. They wait for the opportune moment, and then they run. But when kids play, it's totally different. And what does not help matters is that parents stand on the sidelines, and as they watch their children, what do they yell? Run! 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 There's the ball! Run! Well, my coach told no, run! Run! And if that's not enough, what do they say after they say Run! Faster, faster, run faster, run faster. So you have these kids just running all over the place. And uh, Kenton, uh, who teaches over in the big box, he said, you know, he coached soccer too. And I wish I'd thought of this. I never thought of this. He would, at the beginning of a season, actually have all the parents get out onto the field. And he would have coached up the kids. And he'd say, we're going to play a little soccer game. And the parents would get out there, and they'd start running around. And, of course, they'd get tired right away. Within two minutes, they're like, oxygen. And uh, Kenton would have the kids around the field go, run, run, faster, faster. Well, you know what? In a sense, that's exactly what the religious leaders did in that day. They would come to people that were already exhausted, exhausted. And instead of helping them, instead of giving them guidance that would make something endurable, All they would say is, run, run, faster, faster, faster. And eventually what would happen is people just say, enough. I just can't do it. If this is what it means to have a relationship with God, I can't do it. I don't have the energy. I don't have the strength. I can't run faster and faster. I'm running as fast as I can right now. And so Jesus looks at this and he says, this is not the way. It should be. What is interesting is as you start to peel back the things that the religious leaders were telling them that they should lift, uh, there were other things uh, that, that created problems. And one of them we find then in verses 23 and 24 of Matthew 23, because it's sort of Jesus is having a flow of thought here in Matthew 23. And so he says these things. It isn't just that you're running too hard. It's not just that you're trying to lift things that are, are hard to lift, it is the nature of what you're trying to lift. And so let's read this together. It says, Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites! You give a tenth of your spices, mint, dill, and cumin, but you have neglected the more important matters of the law, justice, mercy, and faithfulness. You should have practiced the latter without neglecting the former. You blind guides, you strain out a gnat, but you swallow a camel. So here was the problem, furthermore, is that, uh, well, you guys will know the answer to this. When Moses came down from Mount Sinai, he had how many commandments? Ten. 
Not a trick question. He had 10. Okay, if you read the rest of Leviticus and into the book of Numbers, you will recognize that those 10 sort of expanded to about 600 rules. In other words, there are 10 primary rules, the 10 commandments, and then what would happen is God spent some time saying, let me tell you how to practically apply these rules to your life. And so there was like these regulations or sort of these stipulations of how you actually do the Ten Commandments. All of them came out of the Ten Commandments. But it made it, obviously, a little more complicated, but the purpose of it was to make it more practical so that people would actually do them. This is what it means, uh, you know, not to murder someone. This is what it means not to commit adultery. This is what it means uh, not to steal from your neighbor or not to take the Lord's name in vain. This is what it means. Let's just sort of flesh this thing out. And so that's what happens. Now, as uh, the Jewish tradition goes on, and during especially the time between the Old Testament and the New Testament, about 400 years, uh, the religious leaders, the Pharisees and the scribes, started adding to that list because they said, you know, it's just not detailed enough. We need more regulations. We need more stipulations. So those 600 regulations, about 60 for every commandment, right, it ballooned to 12 volumes of work called the Mishnah. And the Mishnah, just so that you start to get an idea of this, the Mishnah in and of itself took one of the commands to keep the Sabbath, and it added 600 regulations as to what keeping the Sabbath meant. So that's what is starting to happen now. That's all fine and good, except now the details of keeping the Sabbath becomes the most important thing. In other words, uh, whatever the Sabbath is for or isn't for is not that important. What's important is that you keep every single detailed part of those 600 rules that come out of the Mishnah. And they would hammer people when they didn't do that. They would say, it's all about making sure that every rule is kept. And what happened was this, is that religion of the day took things that should have been light, not totally unimportant, but things that should have been relatively light, and made them very heavy, made them very important. And so the example that Jesus gives here is tithing. Tithing is a biblical principle. Tithing is one of the ways that we honor God. So it comes out of the first commandment of putting God first in our life is tithing. All right, so that's all well and good. Tithing is a good principle. In fact, it comes out of Leviticus 27.30 that in the vegetation that they grew, because in that day an agricultural community, that's basically money was, was their, their uh, product, it said, a tithe of everything from the land, whether grain from the soil or fruit from the trees, belongs to the Lord. It is holy to the Lord. In other words, this is a good thing. We need to do this. But there was nothing really uh, in the book of Leviticus that said, make sure you go into your your herb garden and make sure that the mint gets divided the right way. In other words, take your little, you guys have seen mint, right? And dill and cumin, I don't know what cumin is, but whatever those things are, they're little, they're little. And so basically what would happen in that day is they were so focused on doing the details just perfectly that they'd go into their little spice herbal garden, and they'd say, all right, here's one leaf, two leaf, three, nine leaves for me, one leaf for the Lord. And they were so proud that they even tithed on their herbs. And what Jesus says is, that's all well and good. That's a great thing. I'm glad you're taking it that seriously. 
Here's the problem. You are so majoring on a minor that the things that are the very most important, like treating people fairly, being just, making sure that you show mercy to people that are dying, making sure that you have faith in God, you're so focused on these little things that these big things make no difference to you. You don't have time for the big things because you're so focused on the minutiae of these little things. And so the first thing Jesus is going to say is, you know, the, the religion comes in and it makes you run faster, faster, harder, harder to people that are already really tired. The second thing is it makes light things heavy, and then it makes things that should be heavy, things that should be important. It makes them light. So you're totally messed up in your priorities. You don't understand that pleasing God has a lot more about showing mercy than making sure that you're tithing on your dill. You know, that, that's kind of what Jesus is saying. You're just missing the point at this point. And he says, this is no good. This is not the way that it should be. This yoke is not helping at all. And then there was one final thing that came out that Jesus said, this is a problem, this is a problem. And he gives actually the Sabbath as an example. Okay, so the Sabbath was meant to be a day of rest, right? And it's in the Ten Commandments that you are to take a Sabbath day. And it was meant to, well, what was the Sabbath for? Why do you think that God gave us the idea of a Sabbath? Just guess anything. It'll probably be right. To rest. To rest. What else? What would you do on your Sabbath day? You'd worship. You'd focus, refocus on God. Anything else that would happen on a Sabbath? Visit people? That's right. Sort of rebuild relationships because you're not working, so you can focus on relate. You can focus on the most important things. So it was really cool. It was sort of the exact opposite of what was happening. Instead of running faster, faster, harder, harder, it was like rest. Instead of getting all screwed up with your priorities, it's like, hey, take a day, stand back. Let's make sure that we focus on the most important things. And, and so that was sort of the spirit of the Sabbath. Let's focus on the Lord. And so Jesus would come, and people would come up to him all the time, and they'd want to be healed. And that would happen on the Sabbath day. And one day, a guy who was crippled came up. And, and uh, he had a withered arm, it says. And so he came up, and Jesus... Uh, was about to heal him, but there were some religious leaders in the group, and they looked at him, and he could tell what they were thinking. They were thinking, he's going to break the Sabbath. This breaks one of our rules. You can't heal people on the Sabbath. They actually had that rule. You can't heal people on the Sabbath. And so Jesus is sort of looking at them. He knows what they're thinking, and this guy's standing here, and he has a withered arm, and he's hoping, 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 oh, please, Jesus, just show me a little mercy. I I need my arm. And Jesus sort of evaluates the whole situation. And before he heals the man, he says, a bunch of you are looking at this right now. And you are so concerned about the details of the law. Let me just ask you a question. And he said it this way. He said, I ask you, which is lawful on the Sabbath? To do good or to do evil? To save life or to destroy it? Now, Jesus was a genius because, you know, that's, that's a pretty obvious question to answer, right? Uh, probably to do good. And there's this guy standing there with this arm that's like, whoa. And he's like, okay, so we could heal this guy or we could go tell him to jump in the lake. In fact, we could accuse him of breaking the Sabbath. What do you think would be the wise thing to do? What do you think God would want here? What do you really think? And you know what? 
They didn't say anything. They didn't say, you know, that's a really good point. I think we've gotten too stuck in the details here. I think we're missing the point of the Sabbath. And it says that Jesus looked at them and was discouraged because they missed the point. And it says they walked away and they said, we've got to kill that guy. That guy is messing with our rules. And so here's what Jesus says. Here's the problem with religion. People come in with weight, and religion says, go harder and go faster. They come in with weight, and the weight that they add to it is meaningless weight. But the things that really are important and should be in the backpack, should be in the yoke, they take off altogether. And then finally, the greatest command, the most important thing that God wants us to do, to love other people, they have totally missed the boat on. They aren't loving people at all. And Jesus says, I hate this. I hate this. This is so much not what I meant for my, you know, my way to be. This is not what God meant his way to be. Now, you look at this and you probably think, I am so glad we don't have scribes and Pharisees today, right? You're like, I am so glad we don't have that problem. And I hope that if you come to Mariners and you've been part of Huntington Beach or part of the main campus, that you say, you know, I'm I'm so glad because I don't think they get caught into those things. I just want to tell you this. And this is for us as a church. As we get going, it is really easy for us to fall into this kind of stuff. It is so natural for us when people come to us with things that are heavy, for us not really to think it through and to make it even heavier. You know, your marriage fell apart, but do you know why? Because you're kind of a crummy person and you need to pull it together. Or somebody comes in and they're like, you know, I'm wrestling with this thing, homosexuality. (laughs) Well, I'll just, let me set you straight. It's wrong and you're going to hell if you do it. And they're like, well, I was kind of looking for some guidance here. Some, no, no, no. I'll just, let me just set you straight on this. Uh, I know um, a guy, and he is just, this was in South Carolina, but he was just starting to come back to church again, and he had started coming to our church. And when I talked to him, he said, I haven't gone to church since I was a kid. And he said, it's funny because my parents, and we, we, were, we went to church religiously, and uh, then my parents got a divorce. And my dad actually left my mom. And my mom was given such a hard time by the church leadership because of that. And we were made to feel like such second-class citizens in this church that we didn't just leave that church. We left church. And now, you know, I'm 20-something. I've never been back because I just thought, "It's it's too heavy. My life is crummy enough. Why would I go to a church and have it be crummier? And I really want to encourage us as, you know, the Huntington branch of Mariners, as, as a part of the group that meets up with hundreds of thousands of people around us that need hope. We don't want to be those people. We just don't. We want people to come and to have an experience of, oh, my gosh, there's life here. There's hope here. Things are made lighter here, not worse. And here's the other thing. We don't only have the the possibility of falling into this uh, as a church, but we as individuals can do this. So let me just ask you these questions, okay? Okay, so you've had uh, really a hard week, 
and um, something's gone really poorly in your week. You know, maybe something at work has not gone well. And you sort of sit back and you think, well, I know how I'll handle that. I've just got to work harder. I've just got to put in more hours. I've just got to focus more. I'm going to have to say a little bit more no to my family because I have got to get this straight at work. I have got to run harder and harder and harder and harder. Or maybe you feel a little bit guilty. And instead of dealing with that issue, what you do is you obsess about why you feel guilty and you end up feeling more guilty. Uh, There are all kinds of ways where our response to a heavy load is to work harder. It's the American way. And we just get tired out. Or we start focusing on things that aren't that important. And, uh, and we neglect things that are really important. I mean, how many people have lost their families because they ended up focusing on things that really weren't that important and they sacrificed the things that were that important and we have that propensity to do that, to get out of whack? Or finally, we just stop loving. We just stop loving altogether. Uh, years ago, and because we've been away, but I used to live around here, um, I was on Balboa Island, and my car's battery died, and I was late for a meeting. And, I, you know, I didn't have jumper cables, I didn't have anything to take care of it, and I'm looking at my car and stressing about, out about not being able to get to this meeting, and as I'm standing there, a guy comes up to me who had been my football coach in high school. And I looked, and he said, Kevin Pike. And I said, Hal Hensler, oh my gosh, it's so great to see you. And he didn't know what I meant. It wasn't really great to see him. But, hey, do you have jumper cables by any chance? And he said, he said well, my house is right over here. Yeah, I do. And I said, oh, this is so great. I'm late for a meeting and all that. And he goes, oh, well, come on. It's so great to see you. And I go, yeah, it's really good to see you too. What about those jumper cables? And so we go to his house and he gets his car and we bring the jumper cables over. And I'm just like, oh my gosh, you're a lifesaver. I'm so late for this meeting. I'm so glad that you did this. And so he finally gets the thing, you know, jumped up and, and my car starts and I go, oh, hey, we're going to have to catch up. And he's like, yeah, that would be so great. I'd really like to talk to you about life and all that kind of, oh, yeah, yeah, it'd be good, but I'm late, I'm late, I'm late. Okay, I'll see you, I'll see you. And I started driving away. And when I drove away, as I was driving, uh, probably because I slowed down for a second, uh, all of a sudden I remembered that Hal's wife had left him the year before. And I hadn't said a thing to him about that. Because I was so preoccupied with my needs and with what was going that there was no room for me to love him. And I don't think I'm that much different than you. I don't think that. I think we all have, when things get heavy, we tend to run harder and faster. We tend to major on the minors and minor on the majors. And we tend to stop loving people because we just don't have the energy for that. And so the question is, is there a different way? What would Jesus say to this? If this is what religion makes us do or makes us think about, what would Jesus say? And so I want to close by giving you maybe one of the most powerful sections of Scripture in the New Testament. It is probably the greatest invitation that is offered. And it's in Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 through 30. And this now is Jesus speaking. And this is Jesus' answer to when pressure comes on, when you are weighed down, 
How is it that you should respond? And if you have your Bibles, this is a great one to circle. And so let's read this together. Matthew 11, 28 through 30. It says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Okay, and you see that term yoke up there? Now you know exactly what Jesus was meaning. What did he mean by yoke? Well, this is my way of teaching. This is my system for dealing with life. And whereas the yoke of the Pharisees and the scribes makes things heavier and heavier, what does he say about his yoke? It makes things lighter, makes things bearable, puts things into perspective, makes things work better. He says, what you'll need to do is you'll need to come to me. So instead of your natural reaction to when your life is caving in, to run harder, to mess up on your perspective of things, major on the minors, minor on the majors, instead of stopping loving people, don't do any of that. Come to me. Just come. Come here. It's a relational concept. It's not a work concept. Come to me. Take a breath. Stop being so frantic. Let's try to get perspective on this. Learn from me. Learn how I organize things. Remember I told you that the Pharisees and the scribes had taken the Ten Commandments that went out to 600, and then it went to 12 volumes. Remember when Jesus was asked, hey, tell us what's the most important. Out of all of those rules, all of those 10, 600, 12 volumes... Uh, give us sort of a summary statement. And remember, Jesus said, okay, I can do that. I can tell you that there's basically two things you need to do. And the first one is love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. Period. In fact, he condensed the Ten Commandments. Instead of making them more, he made them less because he said, there's no reason it should be so complicated. If you ever have a question about what you should do in any situation, just two rules of thumb. Are you loving God by doing it, and are you loving other people? If you're doing that, you're all good. You're doing exactly what God wants. You don't have to focus on all the details. That's what it is. It was just so beautiful. It was just so, hey, rest. You don't have to get all spun up with it. Just rest. Get perspective. Just love. That's what it is. Just love. When it gets heavy, just love. Now, it should be so easy for us to come to Jesus, shouldn't it? You know, it'd be, for those of us that have trusted him, and maybe not all of us have, but for those of us that have, have, have made this commitment to him, it should be like breathing. Oh, my gosh, my life is so stressed up. I'm just going to come to Jesus. Oh, my gosh, I feel so guilty about this. Well, I'm just going to come to Jesus. Ah, I'm so worried about my finances. I'm just going to come to Jesus. It should be so easy. Is it easy for you? I mean, I'll just, totally honest, not easy for me. I go right into work mode. I go right into a system that is pretty much what Jesus said. That's not going to work. And maybe you're sitting here and you've got, you've got a backpack that has at least some weight in it. 
And you know, it never occurred to you to just come to Jesus, just to say, you know what? I'm not going to work harder. I'm not going to major on minors or minor on majors. I'm not going to become so self-absorbed I can't see anyone around me. I'm just going to pause, and I'm just going to come. I'm just going to come to Jesus. Because Jesus says that when you do it, things become manageable again. My yoke, my backpack for you, makes things work, puts things back into perspective. It isn't that there's no responsibilities in my yoke. There are. But it just works. It works better. And furthermore, I help you carry the backpack. I'll help you carry it. We'll carry it together. So here's what we want to do. We want to give you a chance. We've sort of purposely organized the service so that we can have a chance to respond. And uh, Ethan and his crew is going to come back up onto the stage. And we just want to take some time to come to Jesus. And what I'd like you to focus on is what are the things that are heavy in your life? What are the burdens? What are the things that are weighing you down? You probably have some. This is an opportunity to bring them to Jesus and to say, I'm coming. And you know what? If you've never done that, if you're sitting here and saying, you know, I I don't even know how to start. I've never done that. Is Jesus is standing here and saying, you can come to me for the very first time. You've been carrying your life by yourself. You can come for the very first time. You can just come to me, and I'll accept you. And when he died on a cross for our sins, that was the invitation. You come to me, I will take your burdens, I'll take your shortcomings, I'll die for your shortcomings. And I'll carry those. And for others of you, you've done that. But it's so easy to slip back in to the mode of just working harder. And this is the time for us to stop and to rest and to come back to Jesus. So as we worship now, um, I'd just like you to, I'm going to begin a prayer, and I'm not even going to close it, because as the worship happens, I just, I just hope that you keep praying, just keep talking to Jesus, and that it's our chance to come to him. Jesus, I know that as I stand here, uh, I violate uh, this truth constantly in my life. My attitude so often is just to work harder, to run, to run, faster, faster. I know that in my life that I get things, priorities messed up, and I get focused on the light things, and I let go of the heavy things that should be important to me. And way too often, I stop loving. And so I need to come to you. And I think that we as a church need to come to you. I pray that now in these moments, as we respond, that there will be some just, some interaction that we have with you that allows us to do this the way that you called us to do it. So Jesus, be with us now as we come to you. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Mariner's Church in Huntington Beach. For more information about Mariner's, visit www.marinerschurch.org.